Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. I'm talking to Margaret Wenmachers from Andreessen Horowitz. Welcome, Margaret. Hey, Peter. It's good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. I mean, see you in air quotes, obviously. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But we'll see you in person eventually. Um, Margaret was brought in, Margaret was a big deal public relations person in Silicon Valley who's been working at Andreessen Horowitz, one of the Valley's most important VC firms for more than a decade now, right? Yeah, it's been, so the firm is going to be 12 and I I spent the first year having them as a client and then it's been 11 years that I've been at the firm. So describing you as a comms person is inadequate because you you are an operating partner there, you have a big strategic role, and the reason you're here today is you're rolling out something that's going to generate a lot of attention in the tech and media world. So why don't you tell us what that is and what it's called? Yeah, so uh, we are launching uh, today um, a media property called Future, and it is all about the future and how to build it and how technology shapes it. And um, this is uh, basically... Kind of a radical departure, but also a natural evolution of what we've been doing for years. Um, as you know, we've always been blogging about like, here's why we're investing in such and such company. That's your standard VC thing, right? Here's why we, here's why this company is great. Yep. We're going to do some thought leadership. I think there it. were a few of us who did that. Um, like Fred Wilson has always blogged, right? And then I think we sort of added a layer onto that. And then we started to do things about company building and, and all kinds of uh, topics. The reason we're doing a separate property with a separate brand and a separate look and feel is we want to open it up because um, as a 200 plus person firm, we certainly don't have a monopoly of all the good ideas and all the interesting takes on the future. So this first batch of articles that you'll see is, you know, a wide variety, including a few folks from our firm, but a wide variety of folks outside the firm who are all talking about interesting things as they relate to the future and how to make it happen. Right. So right now, you, you like you said, you've got a, a history of, of your partners and folks who work at, at A16Z. I'll call it entries and shorter, easier. Uh, well, I keep you're referencing leaving Chris Dixon. though, if you do that. I know, I know. It's just shorter. Sorry, Ben. Um, I, I reference Chris Dixon writing about NFTs and a thousand true fans a lot on this show. I think it's really interesting. So that's sort of standard. And what's different here is it's a standalone publication. You're bringing in outside contributors. Who are those contributors going to be? Well, so it'll be a variety of contributors. We're, we're essentially looking for, yes, big names, but we're looking for people who are very, very smart on a particular topic and are making an argument um, about it. So we'll have, um, we have this woman, Betul, I'm butchering her name, I'm sure, but she's going to write about 
paleo paleobiology and how the past can help build the future. This is like very unusual and there's not anyone in the firm who would have that particular take, but we'll also include sort of regular CEO types and whatnot. And then, you know, as we build out the team, we are going to hire people who are there full time, but we'll also have a, a regular contributors uh, who will be compensated. So a well-funded company that wants to put out information about itself and things that it's interested in because it wants to help shape opinion is not a new idea, right? You've, we call that content marketing. Big companies have done this in various forms for a long time. Um, but it's you guys, and in this move is generating a lot more attention. Do you want to? Do you want to give me your theory of why you think people are paying attention to this one? I think people in general uh, are self-referential, so they think about like, what does this mean for me, and why are you doing this to me? Or it's just kind of like not what I'm doing. I think the reason our content, uh, if I might say so, is interesting, is because we have this pretty interesting perch. We invest in a wide variety of things between crypto and bio and fintech and real estate and consumer and social and enterprise, and there's buckets within enterprise. So that makes the variety of content and sort of the depth, because we have first-rate thinkers in the firm and outside, I think pretty interesting. And that's that makes it easier to pull off um, what you call content marketing, because it's not a one product company. You know, Apple, I'm sure, has fantastic content, but it's about the iPhone and the iPad and, and whatnot, right? Whereas we, we just have this interesting variety. As to the reaction, I mean, you tell me you're you're on you're you're having a reaction. I I'm assuming I'm having the reaction. Yes. I, I I played both sides of this, uh, depending on who's on the podcast here. <laughs> um, I so the 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 what you hear from other folks, including Jessica Lesson, who's been on this podcast, says this is very concerning to see uh, a very powerful VC firm with with connections throughout the valley. Um, and, you know, tech is eating everything, so everything is tech, so this isn't just a, an industry trade story. Creating its own media outlet, hiring um, journalists, and cutting out, this, this, is, the, this is the major concern, the, the role that journalists traditionally play in providing information to the public. Um, so we can imagine why you guys would think, you know, well, here, do you, do, the... There's been a bunch of profiles of you and the, the firm, and there's a, a, a quote everyone keeps referencing that, that that Andreessen Horowitz is essentially a media company with sort of a venture firm attached. Is it fair to call you guys a media company? Look, uh, we don't obviously monetize uh, our media efforts. Maybe mm -hmm. we will some, at some point in the future. So I don't think uh, we should be called a media company. We produce a lot of content, and I think the, you know, it's sort of, what I find fascinating is sort of there's a there's a slight tinge of outrage and like it's a free country last I checked like we we can produce content anyone can produce produce content we think and I I think I'm right about this is there's a whole bucket of uh, content that is actually really really useful and important mm -hmm. that is not covered so that's what we're aiming at we're not looking at doing news or news analysis or you know politics or whatever we are basically. We're riding towards the tech curious and towards the participant. So if I have a job at a company, I need to actually figure out how open source business models work. Like, where am I likely to find that, right? Right. And and that all sounds anodyne, right? And the truth is you are going to get less detailed explanations of, of, of how some of this technology works in mainstream media. Right. Um, and traditionally, a, a mainstream reporter would 
reach out to you or your partners or their portfolio companies and ask them to be sources in a story about them. Um, why isn't that adequate? Why why do you want to go direct instead of having a layer of, of journalism on top of that? I don't know about you, but like, why would I outsource like what information, what people think of me to some other third party? Like, why in the world would I do that? I think the third parties are very, very important. And it's important to engage with the third parties if you're thinking about media. And like, I'm talking to you right now. Mm -hmm. But why would that be the last word on, on anything? Why don't I get to have my own go like, okay, here's what we think. The last line of your blog post announcing this in broad strokes from earlier in the year, we want to be the go-to place for understanding and building the future for anyone who is building, making, or curious about tech. Yeah. And that really seems like a Rorschach test of a, of a line, right? Because you presented as this is us presenting our view of the future. We are the most informed. We're going to present it to you. It's, it's not altruism. Um, there's a motive behind it, but we think this is correct. Um, and if you're somebody else, you go, oh, this is the people with enormous power and money influence saying, we're now going to be the ones telling you how the world works, what the future is like, what's literally called the future. Um, and in addition, just the backdrop here is you had Mark Andreessen, one of the two, the two founding partners who used to be someone who was appeared in the press a lot and talked to journalists a lot, came on conferences a lot, tweeted a lot, um, has been quite open about his contemptuousness about the press. And for a while, that was entertaining. He's basically cut a lot of us out. He's literally blocked us all, many of us on Twitter. Clubhouse, Andreessen Horowitz-funded uh, uh, platform. Um, he's on that a lot, holding forth. If, you, if he has blocked you on Twitter, I don't know if he's done it automatically or if he's got actual human being saying that you can, you can no longer follow Mark in the Clubhouse. So you're cutting people off from access to information in some ways. And I think that's where some of the resentment comes from. Well, look, I'm not cutting anybody off. Um, and in fact, we're going to produce more content and it's going to be more accessible. Um, that That's just the thing. Like, look at it from my point of view. I'm a business person. I have a job to do. And there's basically two jobs. The job, job one is to help advance the future, right? And and help explain ourselves to like, how how what do we think the future holds? How does technology shape it? And then, of course, if I do that job well, and the entrepreneurs and the people who want to work for the entrepreneurs think like, these people get me, then whose money would you rather take, right? So that that is what I'm doing, right? So there's no, it's not in reaction, it's not in uh, in opposition to anything else. And it seems like people have a very hard time kind of buying into that. Yeah, I mean, I generally am not very interested. It's disappointing to some of my friends in both journalism and attack that I don't want to have debates about the the rift between journalists and and, and Silicon Valley. Um, I think the short version is uh, journalism. The, the the press that covered Silicon Valley, including myself, were generally very positive for a very long time, um, and they've now sort of overcorrected and are much more skeptical. And um, I think both both there's there's a good version in, in both uh, in both approaches. Um, but I do think that, again, you, you have people like Mark who seem to have real distaste for the press. And I think that is what's worrying is seeing someone who is actively and, and loudly saying, these guys are fools, they're idiots, they don't get it, saying, I'm going to do it and I'm going to be the go-to source. And I think that's the worrying thing for people. Yeah, it feels like you want me to channel Mark, which I'm not going to do because you're, no, your job your job is often to to unchannel he's, Mark. He's I think like he's his own person and he can speak for himself. I will say though, um, you know, I didn't agree with when media was like, oh, "What's your valuation?" Because it's the most meaningful piece of information about a company, like period. Um, and it, 
messes with people's psychology. Um, mm -hmm. So, and then from that, it's like, what have you assholes done lately? So, you know, you can call me a lot of things, but like, I'm not an idiot. So like engaging in a lot of those conversations that start with, when did you stop beating your wife? Not interested in that. In engaging in like, hey, what are you doing? How should I think about this company? Wh what What's your view on how crypto works? Like, great. That sounds fantastic to me. But like you realize the two sides to that equation, right? And if 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 there is a to the extent that people are victim to the pendulum swinging one way or the other, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue against our entrepreneurs disclosing valuation. I've lost that fight. And I'm also arguing going to argue against the like you know talk to everyone at all times, no matter what the premise is. Yeah, I mean there. I mean. I'm often surprised when anyone talks to a reporter. I know. I'm often surprised when anyone talks to me. I keep thinking, what are you, what are you, what are you getting out of this? And in some cases, it's very clear they they very much want to have their name in print or on a podcast or they want people their are old TV. fashioned that way. They they care. Um, and I think they're often surprised when they realize that sort of that comes with with, with costs. Um, but why why were you an early hire at at a venture firm and 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 not just a, a comms person, right? But an operating partner who who gets profits um, participation. That's that's a very different role than than most VC firms. Yeah, so I think the thing, I mean, obviously that's more of a question for um, Ben and Mark, and I think it was Mark's idea, but I, the business goal at the time, so you and I are old enough, we remember the list of the top three or four firms that felt fairly etched in stone, right? It was, you know... The VC firms. Yes, the VC firms, yeah. right? And yet the our business problem was all the interesting deals are basically these four firms, five firms compete for those deals. So for us to be able to help build the future and like make the meaningful investments and and provide returns to our LPs, we needed to be in consideration for those deals. And so what's the toughest audience to convince that, you know, we are interesting and worth looking at? Reporters. So, you know, so we did a lot of that, right? And we, you know, I remember asking Ben, like, how long will it take us to like get to be in consideration? That actually happened quite a bit faster than- It seemed like it happened very quickly. I think it was the Skype deal that made people go like, oh, wait, that's very unusual because, you know, Ben and Mark had had an, a history of doing angel investments. So I think when we launched the firm, they thought like, ah, even though we said, well, write any kind of check, blah, blah, blah. But um, so the Skype deal put us on the map, I think, as like, oh, these people, you know, will take risks. Yeah, I mean, I guess because I have a blinkered view, because I was doing a lot of tech reporting and, and, and trade reporting at the time, like it seemed like you guys showed up, made a splash. The story was instantly that you and Mark Andreessen, who again was on the cover of Time magazine in the 90s for inventing the internet, um, and Ben Horowitz, uh, but Ben wasn't on the cover of Actually, Time. Actually, Ben was not famous at all. I, I agree with you was making a splash, was throwing around a ton of money. There were a lot of question marks about the money. And then, you know, this one of the dirty secrets of, of trade reporting, at least back when I was doing, you know, venture stuff, was companies got written about because they were funded by uh, uh, Sequoia um, or other name brand companies. And the people who worked with them used that as sort of the validation to get them published. Then you guys started doing the same thing. Um, occasionally I'd read a story about some company that was doing something that I thought was quite boring. And I thought, why would, why would X company ever get written about an X publication that you see? Oh, they're, they're an Andreessen company. So we do, you did a good job of that. So they hired you to help make their name in the Valley is, is the short version of my long ramble. Um, but why make you a, like why you, why are you a partner instead of a trusted comms confident? 
I don't know. Did you have to ask them? I mean, look, I was yeah, running but, my but own you made, business. But you made the deal. I'm going to allow you to speak for them in this behalf because well, you, you negotiated a deal. I was running my own company. Like, I literally looked at them. It's like, you're asking me to walk away from my non-human child? Like, what are you fucking kidding me? So I wasn't going to take a job. And like the, the thing with uh, partnerships are complicated, right? Being part of a partnership is hard. So I was like, if I'm going to not run the firm, I need to be able to run the brand, right? Because if you do everything by committee in a partnership, you will never get anything done. There'll always be a reason not to talk to the reporter, not to do the thing, because people are risk averse and they, they get embarrassed, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, so that was a negotiation. Like, I'll, I'll do this part. And in order for me to join, I need to have some sort of a whatever title is a good shorthand to signal like, okay, no, it's a serious thing. You're a boss. Boss lady, I suppose. I tell you, I don't think you got to modify it, but sure, you're a boss lady, and so it's so comp is a thing. Like again, like you get profits. That's that's a very big deal, uh, and also you're saying structurally and perception wise, you have real clout within the company. You're not a service. Provider. I don't know about that. I mean, look, uh, there are lots and lots of general partners now, and I have lots and lots of opinions, and I try to do a good job of listening to all of them. But like partnerships are complicated, so you have to. Mm -hmm. This is when people call me and say, like, hey, I want one of your jobs. I'm like, just make sure you have a mandate, right? Because if you don't, then it gets tricky. Right back with Margaret after a word from this sponsor. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor. What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. This week on The Gray Area, Professor Diana Posulka and I tackle one of life's biggest questions. Are we alone in the universe? What would it take for you to step off the agnostic ledge and say, yeah, aliens are real? Is it a spacecraft landing on the White House lawn? Well, something that was anomalous in 1952 did fly over the White House. And that's one of those cases that is still weird. <laughs> that's This Week on the Gray Area, available wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. The, the world that I spent time covering the last decade or so was the rise of social media, um, it was relatively easy to get your head around what Twitter or Facebook were and what they meant and kind of how they work because you could see it. And if you're a reporter, you probably use those products too much. Um, it seems like the next phase of technology um, is going to be much harder to get your head around. Um, what's an NFT? How does blockchain work? Is blockchain a thing we should be paying attention to? Is it a farce? Um, then when you get into anything involving you know actual science and, and medicine, you know, it's beyond the can of most people. How, how how should the general public feel about where they're getting their news about this stuff from? Because it is very important, um, but it, I think it's very hard to get good information about it. Well, I mean, that's trying to, that's partly the hole that I'm trying to fill, right? It is, yeah, I'm not trying to give you a softball there that says, no, 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 go it's, read Fortune. It's, it's or actually future, tricky, sorry. and I, I think people are increasingly trying to go like, okay, I'm going to get this, this topic from so-and-so and this topic from so-and-so, right? And I'm listening to Peter on media stuff, right? Like it's, it, like it's, it's much more, um, it's unbundled, I suppose, right? And there are obviously, 
people who will read like the New York Times and be done with it. Um, and like they do a lot of great coverage, but like that that's I think that's sort of as a as a media consumer, that's a mistake. So like having a single source of of quote unquote truth. Um that's just hard. The thing that I'm I like about what we're trying to do, and look, we're launching an MVP, we're gonna be built in public, you might hate all over it, who knows, right? But we're doing it. Like my so my neck is out there. But like the one thing that I think we've got going for us is that we do have very good access to people who with firsthand knowledge, right? So you get the Moderna CEO on your podcast who actually built the thing, that's really, really useful, right? Like, and you might go like, oh, that's too shilly, that's too salesy, but like the, you walk you through like how, how we did the thing, right? So having access to firsthand knowledge or, you know, Betul, our astrobiologist contributor tomorrow, that's really huge in my book, right? And then the challenge for um, future, <laughs> I'm getting used to saying the name, is to manage the tension between like the real depth and writing for an audience that is not as deep, but mm-hmm. still wants to consume this information, right? Yeah, that's that is a that is a big challenge in journalism. The another challenge in journalism is writing something that has a narrative. Narratives usually require conflict, and that's where it seems like anything that is sort of in the content marketing world falls flat because inevitably um, some of that conflict might might reflect poorly on the company that's that's writing about it or the 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 whoever's funding it only wants a version of the future that's sunny etc i'm wondering how you guys are thinking about that yeah so we are gonna and unapologetically so have an optimistic lens on technology and its role in shaping the future i mean look as you know i grew up on a farm like and you know most of most of the population is not cut out to work on a farm i'm telling you that so i i think the future is 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 it's always rough to get there, but it's inevitably going to be brighter for sure. Um, I forget the first part of your question. Can you remind me? I just, I just wondering how. You, I mean, let's let's hope that the oh, world is better, right? Sorry. But 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 controversy, or even just like, look, there's going to be winners, there's going to be losers. Um, there's any story that doesn't have some kind of tension about what's at stake and who might win or who might lose, mm-hmm. who has who has something to gain or lose in this, um, is going to fall flat, and and because it, it won't be truthful. But it has, there's lot, let your imagination run wild for a second. Like we just did a big content piece that Sarah on our growth team, who's amazing, and Martin Casado did, which is like, okay, you go on the public cloud that helps you get going faster and you stay on the public cloud. And it's like, it's basically, they calculated the market cap that is left on the table by people staying on the, the cloud providers, right? People like there are lots of passionate opinions about it. You might go like, "Oh, that's no big deal," but that's a that's a huge deal, both financially and from a competitive point of view, and in the industry. So, we'll do all of those. What we're probably not going to do is like we think CEO or company X suck because it's they did something unethical. And the reason I'm not doing that is because that's not the role, and it's well traveled territory. If someone writes, if someone writes an expose about Substack, another company right. you founded, or Clubhouse. Um, is future the place where I'm going to go to read um, a defense of those companies, or why X reporter or X publication got it wrong? Is is it does it serve that role for you guys? I, I'm potentially, but I actually believe that you know we're not we're not those companies' parents, right? Like I would I would su- suspect that Hamish and his co-founder are fully capable to mount their own defense for sure. Like that's not. Mm-hmm. 
that that is not what I'm interested in. I don't think so. Again, the goal is to advance the future. I'm trying to go like, okay, what do we think is going to happen in five, 10, 20 years on topic X? And like, how do we, how do we get there? You know, if someone does a takedown of one of our portfolio companies, I, you know, my team would help the portfolio companies like, oh, okay, here's what we do about that. Back to conflict. If this is the future and this is your going direct and this is your view of the world, does that mean I'm less likely to talk to one of your partners? They're going to say, why would I talk to Recode or the New York Times or anyone else when I've got my own publication? I don't think so. I think that, you know, like that would just assume that we have all the eyeballs, which, you know, for something that's launching today would be mm -hmm. slightly naive. Um, I mean, look, we have a pretty substantial um, audience um, from the a16z.com domain, and which will transfer over to future.com. But um, I think that would not be uh, the right strategy. And also, look, at the end of the day, we are only as good as how well we serve our portfolio companies. So a portfolio company calls Katie and says like, hey, you know, we're trying to figure out if we can get, like, I don't know, cover of Forbes or this profile or whatever. Like, how we're we not going to help them? Like, why would we not do that? That just seems that just seems a little business stupid. <laughs> so you're not pulling up the gates. Um, and again, you could argue that look, if 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 company X or person Y doesn't want to speak to the press, fine. Like, you know, you should the, the the idea of yes. And, and even from a journalist perspective, I think the idea that saying, oh, I'm, I'm being cut off, whether it's Mark Andreessen or Donald Trump or any company that doesn't want to talk to you, it feels like that's that's the gig. Um, and you figure out how to write about them anyway. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, there's there's, you know, there are a lot of people in your line of work who don't believe in quote unquote access journalism. And it's like that is all like I don't I don't need this stuff um, for sure. In general, I think that, you know, the relationship between the subjects that media cover and media can be collaborative and it's often quite adversarial. I kind of enjoy that tension. Like I, that's those are my roots. I, I enjoy the tension, but there are a lot of cases and the number of cases where it's just like, this is not going to be, there's no winning on that. Like that then is a waste of time. Right. And I, I'd much rather like build future then play defense all day long. So to the what extent is the, that it's only what is defense, future, what does the future.com URL cost? Um, I don't think I should disclose that. But I bet it's a lot. I'm very, very excited that we got it. it so we debated and at first we decided like, domains don't matter anymore. That's like mm -hmm. a thing for the 90s. But then I think it's actually Chris Dixon. I was not in that meeting. He's like, but the name is intrinsically valuable. And I wanted it because it's a boss move. It just signals what is really true, which is like we're serious about it. Yeah. So I, I wrote that Facebook paid six million or more for bulletin.com. So I think future. No, no, no we paid less than, than that. that. Are you kidding me? Really? Oh, yeah. Really? Way okay. less than that. All right. Well, you guys know how to get a good deal. Um, what's the what's the uh, this is the traditional softball wind up answer. What what have you learned about journalism or media making? while putting this publication together that you didn't know or didn't appreciate before? You know, outside contributors, creative brains, and process are just like a hard thing. Like our managing editor, Amelia Salyers, who's also launching a baby, her, like a human baby, she's got a hard job, right? Because she's like, oh, the piece is in late, right? And then there's creative tension and, how, you know, but this should be the structure. It's just like the sausage making is... Um, I mean, look, I've always had a lot of respect for that process, but now I, I'm seeing it up close and it's um, 
it's it's pretty interesting because it's it's different from like working with people who are pretty linear and logical at all times. Yeah, us writers and stuff tend to be now not you so lot. linear. You lot yeah. are tricky. I'm kidding. Yeah, no, I'm lo I'm loving it. And look, I you know I came up with all of that, but like Amelia, Sonal, and Maggie are really the three women who are helping set up this machine. And I'm thrilled. Like Maggie got here in end of April, but I'm thrilled because she's built a team of 90 plus people at NerdWallet. By the way, all remote. So that is that was a good pandemic feature. <laughs> Future, and you're, uh, you're still technically in a pandemic, so you're launching a pandemic publication. Future.com is up now. How often should we be looking for new content on the site? Excellent question, TBD, because I need to hire some people like very, very badly. And we also, I mean, look, you want to establish a cadence when people count on you and all that. Like, I get all of that. But also, it's going to be highly dependent on, like, okay, where are the best ideas? And do we have the best ideas? We, I'm not going to put pressure on the team. It's like, we have to write something for today, even if we all think it's a piece of crap. So that's a great luxury that I, I fully appreciate that not everybody has. Future.com. Cadence TBD. Okay. Margaret, thank you for your time. Thanks, Peter. Nice Good to, see, to you. see you. Be well. Thanks again to Margaret Wenmachers. I'm glad she found time during a media launch to talk to us. Thanks again to Jelani Carter for producing and editing this episode. Thanks to our sponsors for letting us bring this episode to you for free. And thanks to you guys for listening and writing and telling other people about it. We love you. This is Recode Media. We're back next week.